Welcome to Deal Closers with Annette Tali, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here is your host, Annette Tali. Welcome to another episode of Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Tali, and my guest today is Andresa Gidelli. Welcome, Andresa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to have you. Andresa is one of the creators of the Invest Her community, and I've been going to their meetups for a while here in South Florida, and they have chapters all over the country, and uh, they are forming this amazing community for women that want to learn about investing, and I really like to go to the meetings. So let me tell you a little bit more about Andresa. Uh, she was born and raised in Brazil. She is the mother of Lorenzo, and a developer who specializes in full gut renovation projects, new construction, and is currently focusing on building medium to larger co- commercial developments. Andresa is the co-founder of the Real Estate Invest Her Community, a platform to empower women to live financially free and balanced life. Andresa has a rental portfolio comprised of both long and short-term rentals. She is the founder of Monarch Short-Term Rentals, long-term relationships where she helps investors diversify their portfolio by entering the short-term rental arena. Welcome, Andres. So how did you get into real estate investing? So as you mentioned, I am from Brazil, so I did not even know what real estate meant at that time, right? I moved to the U.S. uh, for a cultural exchange program, and six months later, I started a master's degree. And at the end of my master's degree, I did a door-to-door sales, one of the hardest things I've ever done and really, really valuable. I recommend to everybody to do it. And in one of the conversations that I was having with my manager, I asked him, okay, can you share with me um, a book in sales? Because I really want to take my team to the next level. Not that I, I had this dream about being a salesperson. I really needed the sales skills. That's what That was my goal. And then he pushed across the, the table this purple book called Rich Dad for Dad. And he said, no, you're going to read this book here. And then one week later, I read the book and I was like, what's going on here? This entire world exists and I didn't even know about it. So who knows? Who else knows more about it? And I want to explore this more. And that from there... One thing led to another. I went to trainings and got more informed about how to analyze a market and then make, um, you know, the purchase of the first property. Amazing. That was one of my, the first books that I read about real estate. So, you know, I'm there. Like once I read it, I was like, what? Like I need to read more. So I kept learning and learning about it. It's like a Bible, right? For, For real estate investors. It's just the mindset that is required to become a real estate investor. Absolutely. Absolutely. The deal. All right. So what deal are we going to be talking about today? So I thought about different deals that, you know, I come across different things. I'm going to talk about this deal. It's, uh, it's, it was a three, three, uh, new construction properties that we built from ground up. Wow. And we and this is what we call shovel ready, which is a dream. 
doesn't come very often. But what does this mean is that we got this deal through uh, an architect of ours. They have an architect firm. What they did on their end, they purchased land, they subdivided, they did all the drawings, they got approved with zoning and everything else, and the project was ready to go. So, so did they have the utilities already on the lots? Yeah. yeah okay, so everything. that's what shovel ready means? Shovel ready means I'm going to close on the deal today, and tomorrow I literally putting the shovel down to the ground, and that's exactly what happened. Of course, you pay a premium for that. You pay for the work that they have done. It's not just like paying for the drawings and everything else. So you need to make sure that the deal, the numbers work very well. This was in a location where we knew exactly what was going on in the neighborhood. And uh, we sat down with our general contractor. And one thing that you can do when you are building multiple at the same time is really leverage the construction. So one house is not going to cost the same as three houses, right? The price is not going to be the same because the foundation, the foundation is going to be three. So the electrician is going to be working there. The so were you, were, you, uh, were you constructed them all at the same time? Yeah. Okay, it's all so the same time. So it's like a, it's like a machine, right? A foundation of um, house number one, house number two, house number three, and then framing all the rough ends. So it went like a, like a machine. You could have, for example, if the electrician was working on house number two, I could have already the plumber or the HVAC guy or vice versa working on the other properties. So it's just a lot of like orchestrating things and make sure everything is, is good to go. And because you are buying in bulk, the material also, the finishes, I negotiated everything with uh, my supplier for my appliances because I'm buying a lot more than just one time. So you always negotiate that and get the price down. Awesome. And I don't know if you know, but I am an architect. So I'm going to be oh, researching nice. that uh, shovel ready. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you, if you acquire it and do the work and get it all ready to go, we love it because we literally close on the property between during the, our negotiations, we already knew that we wanted the deal and we want to close the deal. Right? So when we start talking to, to, to the architect, I also start already talking to my general contractor and getting everything set up with the lender. That's another piece that I want to talk about. Everything was good to go. So when we close on the property, we close on a Friday, construction started on Monday. So did you have a say on the design or was the design already said and done? So that's a good point because I really wanted to take a look. I respect my architects. And I really love when they really explore their creativity. The point where I jump in is that sometimes the creativity affects a lot of the construction process and the money. Yes. So I will give you an example. I love big windows, right? I love them. They look great. On the construction point, custom windows equals higher money. So, okay, I want to have some, some of them, but some of them, I don't want to have several of like different shapes and types. So 
that is something that I'm going to look at. I'm going to also look at the HVAC, if the MEPs, which is the descriptions of uh, electrical, plumbing, and HVAC, I want to take a look at that too because I want to maximize the space. So we had a little bit of back, back and forth um, on that, uh, but it was very minimum. It was not on the structure or, or anything else. And then we had to amend any bigger thing because the, the, the drawings were already approved. So anything bigger, we had to amend it. Right. Okay. And you don't want to go back to permits. You just want to do small revisions that are going to help you. Well, we put on the on the contract that they were going to do that. Oh, amazing. That's <laughs> yes. awesome. All yeah. right. So how did you find this deal? I know you mentioned that through the architect, but how, mm -hmm. how did that happen? Well, we, we always communicate with every single trade, right? With our title company, with our architect, with everybody knows what, what we're up to. So this deal came for an architect that we did business before. And he said, listen, I have a lot. They built too. So they had a lot on their pipeline. That was the reason why they were not developing it. So we're like, okay, we, we really want to uh, take a look, uh, check the numbers and, and see how we can work this out. And the best part of this deal is that me and my partner, which is Liz and her mm -hmm. husband, uh, we all did this, this, put this deal together uh, with zero of our money. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yep. Yeah. It was good. So on, on the lending part is specifically what we did is a mix of private lending with uh, commercial lending. So in commercial uh, we have loans that are 75 to 80% LTV, which is loan to value, and then 100% of the construction. Of course, in order to get better rates and better terms, you got to have a background. You got to you know, show that you have experience with construction and everything else. So we already had a great relationship with this bank. So the process was smooth. Part that we raise the private money is the difference between the LTV and the down payment, closing costs, and everything else. So what we did on that deal was to raise, I believe, it was about three hundred thousand dollars in in private money, uh, and uh, use all the the money to cover the difference between the LTV, the the you know down payment, the commissions or any anything that was uh, involved on closing the deal and since we had a bank the bank has first link position so our lender had second link position so that is not something that uh, a lot of people feel comfortable so to make him feel more comfortable he also got besides the um, the interest on, on the loan he also got uh, part of our uh, profit share so that's oh, okay. the deal that we made with him. Yep. Oh, amazing. That's a good way to, to make sure that they are on board with you when you're, you're giving them a little bit of equity on the deal. Yes, absolutely. And of course, you need to make sure that, you know, there is meat on the bone for everybody. Otherwise, that's not, doesn't yes. happen. Definitely. Yep. The numbers have to work. Like, don't stretch them. They need to work in order to be able to get you know, because you basically are paying 100% of your cost in, on interest, right? Yeah. So the absolutely. deal has to work paying interest to the 100% of the loan. Yeah. Private well, and commercial. Well, for, for, for him, we, we structured the deal that 
all the interest we are not paying up front, everything comes at, at, at the end. So there are different, you know, things that we have done there. So we don't incur costs during our construction period. Oh, that's that's yeah. smart. smart. Yeah. And, and again, it goes back and forth into finding the right partner that is used to do that. And then is familiar with the entire process. That's the best thing. And when you find partners where each one, you know, I am on my land, they are on their land. Um, in our case, Matt and Liz, uh, we had different, different roles. So once the property, not that I was not involved on the pre-construction because it's a lot, but once the, the deal is closed, it's on my court and I take it to the end. So it's just a good uh, way to leverage your experience, your funding and uh, time. Amazing. So now we know how you found it and how much was it listed for or was it offered to you and how much did you end up getting it for? This was off-market deal. It was not listed on the MLS at all. Um, I believe it was about $210,000. And we went back and forth, but what, there was no way that we could um, get it. Um, I don't know if it was listed higher and then we got it for $210,000. But the end, uh, at the end, we purchased it for $210,000. So we purchased uh, Shovel Ready with three lots for $210,000. And then we build three um, 1,500 square feet houses with finished basement and a roof deck. And they pre-sewed, actually. Three of them pre-sewed. We were not done with construction. They, they were all sewed. It sewed between 365 and 395 each. Wow. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. That was, that was my next question. How much, how much did you end up selling it for? So your, your exit strategy on this was to sell them. Yeah. They, they were new construction in a neighborhood, an upcoming up and coming neighborhood um, that we knew that there was a lot of desire. So we really tailor every single thing in the construction, the design, the, the finishes, the exterior, we tailor to what are the buyers in that location looking for. The buy, our, we knew exactly who our buyers were going to be. And that's exactly what happened. Usually it's a young couple that cannot afford living in Center City, closer to, you know, we are, we are in Philadelphia, so mm -hmm. um, they can't afford that. So the, the goal is that they live closer to a train station that drops them off in center city so they don't have a car because also parking is a nightmare in this mm -hmm. neighborhood so it's all like the, the the train station was two blocks away from this location um this this couple or you know two roommates usually where they want very high not high end finish but modern finishes nothing traditional so on the exterior instead of bricks we put uh, aluminum panels so it looks very modern so we did a lot of research, um, and during the sale process, we, we listed the property once uh, sheetrock was up. So we did a uh, pre-selling where um, we pick all the finishes, all the selections, all the materials, so they could visualize when we were doing open houses, they could visualize everything. And even though at that time I did have my real estate license, I didn't list them because my, my 
you know, focus is something else. Uh, we research and interview local realtors within that area because we really wanted to know what they bring to the table, how they're going to market it, what's, what's their differentiation among the other ones. And I can tell you one of them arrived late and he was off already. It don't, I, we didn't really care if he was, um, good or not. It didn't matter. He was late. Did not, uh, uh, did not, you know, gave us, um, a warning, a warning or anything. And we thought, okay, so that's how you, you put yourself out there. Uh, that's not how we want to do business. And that's for us is a non-negotiable. Right. Absolutely. So how did you do this research? Because when you got this property, you knew exactly that the market was going to work with your vision. Uh -huh. So how did you research the market? Well, I always say that every single market analysis that I do is that I think as an appraiser, right? So I look at lot sizes, a lot uh, price per square footage. How much do they sell it for? So I want to know if my purchase makes sense. That's one thing. And I pretend that if I were to sell those properties today, not six months later, not nine months later, not a year later. If I were to sell those properties today, what is my ARV? What is my after repair value? And then I go backwards. I, I get my construction cost in and everything in. And does that make sense? Does that bring, bring to me the return of my investment that I want? Does that bring the, the lender's return? How can I make this, this, this work? I play worst case scenario always. And if, if the market goes up, great. If market goes down, I still need to be able to rent those properties and pay for it. So I go both ways, but really I don't take in consideration appreciation at all, at all, at all, at all. If it comes great is gravy. If it doesn't, I'm still good. And my investors uh, money is still secure. So do you have a percentage or a way that you evaluate a deal and you say, okay, this is too little or this is too much. How do you have like a guide on, you know, your limits, your minimums? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it really depends, right? If I am investing my own money and a hundred thousand dollars, 30% return, is it good? Is it bad? But if I'm investing $500,000, 30% is good, it's bad. So it's really, it depends. It depends on your investment. It depends on the time. Let's say that I am investing $100,000 and I'm getting X percentage of my return, but I'm running the entire show. Is it worth? I don't know. But if I am investing $100,000 and I have partners and my job is just to supervise once a week, whatever, that might be worth my time. Sometimes I'll use an example, right? Single family houses over here in Philadelphia, you buy for $200,000, you put $100,000 in, and the sales price is around $350,400. That's more or less the row home over here. I'll be happy to do 
you know, a commercial loan where my construction, you know, is, is a lot, it's a hundred percent, um, funded and I'll be happy to make 30, 40 grand. But if I have a partner, I am not moving if uh, for 10 or 15,000, absolutely not. So if I am doing the deal myself in a very simple deal, right? A single family house, I'm looking for 30 to 40%. And if I am looking, if I am, um, if I have a, a partner, this, this amount needs to be bigger in general, right? I'm not looking for 60%. That's not it. But my time is going to be less because this partner is going to be bringing something to the table. So I will be okay with $25,000. I'll say in the, again, going back to the, the example of the single family, this doesn't apply if we're, for example, this deal, uh, we paid 210, uh, construction cost. Let me remind myself was around 600,000 more or less, you know, so the, the, the numbers change very often. It really depends on the, on who you're working with and the worth of your time. Absolutely. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Yeah. Expert tips. So now we're going to the part of the show where you're going to uh, share with us three expert tips. And today you're going to talk about your top tips dealing with contractors. Yeah. So I always say, I always hear, right? Um, How he or he or she doesn't matter. um, Didn't show up for the job or he or she walked away with, with my money. So how can you avoid that? The first thing that I will say is vetting process, go to their their job site, not yours at first. You will see if they arrive on time, how are they running their project, if it is clean, if the crew is there working or if there's nobody working there in the middle of the day. I never meet them during lunchtime because I want to see the crew. So I meet either in the middle of the morning or in the middle of the afternoon. That's my tip number one. Tip number two is if you're getting prices like totally off from one contractor to another two reasons for that you didn't give him or her a clear scope of work of the work that you need to do so you need to be clear on that and also finishes select all your finishes i mean i want this toilet that you buy over here this is the brand this is the color this is the link this is a picture there's no way that he or she is going to look at some other types of finishes because that's the the finish that you want to look. And the third thing is you always want to be ahead of the money during the payment plan. What do I mean by that? First of all, you want to work with somebody that has capital that is running the, the construction business as a business, meaning they don't need to wait for your payment in order to start the next phase of the construction. Sometimes that doesn't happen and then people want, oh, I need half a front, a front and then to continue. That's really a red flag for me. I want to make sure that the project is continue and the payment that I made is towards progress payment. What does that really mean is I'm going to make a payment on things that were already executed, not that will be executed. I'll give you an example. Windows. Windows 
$4,000, $5,000, let's say. If I arrive at the job site and the windows are not installed, it means it's not complete, therefore there's no payment. It's simple as that. So I always, always work as if I do have a lender. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm paying cash, it doesn't matter. Meaning I do the inspection first and then release the funds based on that. And that is something that you don't want to discuss with your contractor in the middle of the project. You want to discuss this entire process prior of even signing a contract. And that will save you a lot of time, money, and hair. Absolutely. That's great advice. As a commercial architect, we do that all the time. We have to review the payments um, the contractor progress and advise the, the owners that yes, they finished it or they didn't finish it or what's the percentage that they completed so far. And then once we sign it, we send it and then they release the funds. Yeah. So you're working with a contractor that is professional. They are going to be doing the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how it should be. I don't. And if somebody is like, Oh, I don't, that's not how I work. That's fine. So we are not going to match. Right. Do you review their contract as well, even before? They sign my contract. Oh, you have your own contract. Yes. And if they want to modify, that's fine. They go through their attorney and then my attorney reviews it too. But it's my contractor contract, not theirs. That's a okay, good point. That's a, yeah. a, the best way to control the, the, the transaction, right? Because you're going to have your rules and they are, they are going to have to follow your rules. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, do you have any horror stories with a contractor and that's why you, you put these uh, steps or, or you just did it from the beginning? No, all my life has been great. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I had several, several, several situations. One of them, um, it was a, a contractor that I was working with him for the first time and they were doing a roof deck and they're like, listen, we really need about 15000 to get this this deck um, done, and I was like, you know that I don't do upfront. He's like, I get it. I knew he was a vet, and I assume, okay, he's a vet. Come on, right? He went to war, and he's not gonna do anything. And I wrote that check, and I never saw him ever. Oh wow! Yeah. However. I keep track of every single thing, right? Every single thing. So I hunt him down, his company down. One year later, I was able to get my money back with interest and everything. It was 21000 at that time that I got back. But I did get back. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, you know, it's very frustrating. And now you need to take the 15000 from somewhere else to put into that so the vetting process and like the contract and everything else and the excuses you know their truck is gonna break somebody on their family is gonna be sick they killed the grandma like five times more or less there yeah I had, once... I had the the family being sick once and i yeah. gave them the money and yeah i, I yeah he disappeared yeah. at some point and never saw him back but he left the tools Oh, there we go. So I was like, okay, the tools are staying until you come back and pay. And yes, absolutely. Work or get somebody to finish it. And yeah, right. Actually, there he was... never came back. He just yeah. bought the tools. 
there was one one contractor of mine that he's like, hey, I'm not gonna come um, on Fridays, my son's first birthday. And I look at him, I was like, wasn't your son's first birthday last month? I think you used the same excuse twice. <laughs> so it's funny yeah you gotta you gotta check on them for sure yes absolutely and there's you know i always blame all my company's policies you know i'm so sorry it's my company's policies and procedures and my you know my board advisory which is my dog right here so (laughs) she doesn't allow me to do that sorry that's a great way to put it like when i do property management i'm like let me ask the owner, you know, it's my property. Let me as the owner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's fine. Andresa, this was amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with us so much knowledge. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope it was valuable to all of you that listen. And I hope to meet you in person one day. Absolutely. And let, uh, tell us, where can people find you? I know you have a website and social media. Yes. So you can find more about our podcast called The Real Estate Invest Her. Um, and our website, same, same name. On our Instagram, same name. So we have a podcast. We have a Facebook group community with really experienced investors part of it and that's that's free and we have meetups across the country we have right now 26 or 27 uh, groups and we are growing across the country so if you're listening check it out on meetup.com slash investor and we are coming up with a membership so we want to give more support to women out there and offer mentorship accountability to all of you so check it out pretty soon amazing thank you so much bye everybody bye this was deal closers with annette talee brought to you by talee investments we hope that you enjoyed this episode our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com where you can find this episode and more did you like this episode subscribe like and share